Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. I'm Daryl Etherington. And every week, review a new streaming show or movie. Um, if, while you're listening to this, you detect a certain edge to the Maybe conversation. Maybe an acerbic tone from <laughs> one participant. Daryl and I simultaneously fucked up because... Daryl did not record his side of the conversation, and then normally I make a backup recording of the Zoom, and I failed to do that. So we are doing this for the second time. Yeah. I think the bottom line is, like, uh, we need sponsorships or something so that we take this more seriously. So write in with your sponsorship offers. (laughs) We're irresponsible and at times moronic. Do you want to give us money? (laughs) To be fair, there are many things where that are actually for money that I fuck up just as badly. So I don't True. know that that really counts or anything. But we are once again reviewing The Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max. That is a, a show that aired last year, but Jordan just caught up with it and she recommended it to us. And I think, I mean, Daryl and I both really liked it. But Jordan, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the, the setup? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that again. So... Uh-huh. Um, the, it's set at a New England university, a fictional New England university called Essex. And it follows four, uh, roommates who are roomed together. We've got like a soccer player, like a star freshman soccer player whose mom is a Senator, which is something we should probably talk about because she was really funny. Um, Bella, who is in, uh, an Indian, girl who is telling her parents that she's there for neuroscience but is really there to become a comedy writer Mm -hmm. and then we have kimberly who is from arizona her family is not very well off at all and she has to work alongside her schoolwork but is really excited to be at essex and is kind of like a super nerd and then uh i forget what the blonde girl's name is Layton. layton layton who is very wealthy her older brother is in a frat at essex she comes from new york her whole family is essex alum and she is pissed to be rooming with this group because she wanted to room with her friends from the upper east side in new york and they didn't want to room with her so she got stuck with these three randos Mm -hmm. um and is kind of bummed about it and a jerk about it and we just follow their their first essentially their first quarter at school right like their first half semester because it finishes around midterms i think the mm-hmm. first season and the ups and downs and i think it does a good job of being like super funny and lighthearted and easy to consume and also like getting into some actual real things that happen and real social issues like sexual identity and um consent and sexism and Kind of just general integrity without like bringing the whole thing down and being too intense but it addresses them like respectfully i don't know is the right way to put it like it addresses mm-hmm. them with the exact amount of um weight that you would want out of a show that is in this format and this style yeah but it still manages to be so funny throughout and like not um like it doesn't leave you feeling like I don't know, down or dense or anything like that. Like it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like light throughout, but it's like light enough that it's like, you know, it's fun to watch just by treating serious subjects. Interestingly, you can take the, (laughs) you can take something that has to do with 
like addressing consent in sexual relationships and make really funny jokes about sex. Like you'd Mm -hmm. think that like by doing one, you would kind of want to shy away from the other. Right. Um, But this show doesn't do that. Like it's willing to do both of those things head on in really funny ways. I mean, I do think it's fair to say that it, as the storylines, they they get much more serious towards the end of this season. And for the most part, they're handled really well. And I got really emotional in the, in the last couple of episodes, especially the, the finale. Um, but they do, it's, it's not meant to be like a perfectly realistic drama. I think things do get resolved a little bit more easily and happily in a lot of cases than, than I sort of suspect would happen in real life. And so it is about sort of like, that there's just enough reality that you feel the emotion, but it doesn't, it's, you know, the, the, it, it wants you to leave with a good feeling, mm-hmm. which will, I mean, I guess we'll talk about all of that more in, um, in spoilers. But I would also say that the, again, that, that it's about having that sort of core of reality and everything I feel like emotionally they go through, a lot of that feels really relatable to my own college experience. Um, but at the same time, it's done in this way where it's much funnier. And also, I think the, the timelines are a lot more accelerated. Like, in college, definitely, like, I feel like I probably changed more as a person than at any other time in my life. But I'm like, I don't think that much <laughs> happened right. quite as much as, as, you know, these characters uh go through in in my first few months like that feel like the amount of drama and again part of it is because it's spread across four characters it's not like it's one person but the amount of drama that happens in this show kind of feels like oh that's how much drama would happen over four years of college yeah even four or four people like even spread it across four people yeah but it's um but yeah like it's like it 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 just blends so nicely the comedy at like uh, it's it feels like um it feels like not like you know mini can't the mini project or whatever in terms of like it's not like a network broad comedy or whatever but it's also and like the, i enjoyed the mini project the mini project is, is very smart but it's also not like euphoria for instance right like it doesn't go that far on the other side it strikes a really really nice balance that i think makes it one of the most like watchable things that i've yet seen on hbo max uh, or streaming yeah it was really funny and i think the fact that the cast like all four of these girls are relatively new like not super recognizable faces um was probably a good thing and they did a really good job considering it doesn't feel like they have i mean i'm sure that they've been in other stuff and are experienced actresses but it that I, I thought that they all did such a good job with the roles because the heavier stuff does feel that, right? Like it's yeah. not like they're striking comedic actresses but lacking otherwise. Um, and the the writing plus them is just some of the funniest stuff that I've seen in a really long time. Like I literally laughed out loud at least once every episode, if not more. Yeah. And I think most of them do have, like they have credits, but a lot of them are like... um Maybe their only credits previously were theatrical or whatever for a couple of them. And then, uh, but in general, yeah, like they have pretty few credits to their name and they're not like, they're not like instantly recognizable to, I think, most viewers. Um, but they do a fantastic job in terms of range, right? Yeah. The only one that's recognizable is the one that you are like, I recognize her, but I'm not sure why. And then, 
eventually you discover it if you go look at the credits or if you've already looked at the credits. Why are you just like fading out into nothing? <laughs> Do you want to say who she is or no? No. What, what's her name, Daryl? Chalamet. Chalamet. Hey, yo, Chalamet. Pauline Chalamet, who Pauline. looks a lot like her brother, Timothy Chalamet, yeah. plays Kimberly. I think less like he like you took a your thumb and just smudged their face. Like Timothy looks like a lot like you took your thumb and you just smudged your face on a painting of a, a person, like in a good way. Look, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, you just like, and then like half of it, like he has a, he has a, a, an asymmetry that is actually that is actually quite striking, but like hmm. nice. And then I thought of his face as asymmetrical. I think it is. Let me, let me, maybe I'm a. And I you do like too, dear listener. <laughs> Take a picture. Yeah, like you slid the left side of him down or whatever. It's okay. It's okay. He's very handsome. Down. <laughs> wow. Uh, but Pauline looks a lot like him. Um, in like, like, almost like, I don't know, like a goofier way, kind of, but like. I think I mean I think she has the perfect look for this character and it, it she's she just seems like kind of like awkward in herself in the way that the character is also like awkward in herself but it's one of those things where you're like how much is this just like how she is in real life and how much of this is her being like a fantastic actress I haven't seen her other uh, I guess I have seen one of the other things she did in the King of Staten Island but her role was small in that I think she played her his brother her his sister if i remember correctly maybe it's also worth talking a little bit about the title of the show in the sense that i think when you first hear it you're like oh is this going to be like a really kind of like raunchy salacious raunchy hbo show and wait wait we need to have a side note on raunchy because (laughs) i was watching a reality show i think it was i think it was one of the love islands and they were talking to the participants, the new participants had come in, and they they were like, look, we just have a problem with you. We feel like you're being very raunchy, perhaps too raunchy for the group. And I was like, what is this? What is this use of raunchy? But I guess, like, that was the natural, that was the first word that came to mind when you said that, too. So I guess it's, like, more common in parlance than we, because th- what else would you say? I, I think it also I comes up a lot in when talking about comedies. Like there's, I think when we were kind of in high school or college, there was like this whole wave of that like was American the genre. Pie style comedies. You call it raunchy comedy. Yeah, when you have sex with the pies, that that means ra- that's the definition of raunchy. <laughs> but this, I mean, this show for the most part was it's no pies. They don't have way sex less with pies. of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very <laughs> frank about sex. It, like yes. people talk about it all the time. There are sex scenes but well i would even argue that sex is at the center of of each character's arc or development right or like at least a crisis point that like propels them into a thing it's always sex so the title is very accurate in that regard but it's not like oh they're just doing lots of fucking and you get to watch that on the show or anything like that right right (laughs) why'd you say it like that (laughs) i don't know i like don't understand our our space that we're occupying right now discussing raunchiness but because it was like it wasn't like it was it's not like if you're going into it expecting like titillation i feel like you're in the wrong place that's my general or if you're expecting like sometimes i think of raunchy as like cheap like really Mm. cheap humor around sex or anything that has to do with sex and it's not cheap like it's fully paid for expensive humor 
Yeah. And um, I do like the name Sex Lives with College Girls. I think it actually, I mean, despite the misgivings you might have, I think you watch for five minutes and you're like, okay, I know the tone of this and it actually starts working in its favor. I mean, I think it's a it's a title that I really like now, but I think it did probably scare me off a little bit initially where I was like, I don't really need to watch like, you know, some some raunchy or right. titillating show. Um, but now it is like it's permanently uh, affiliated with Sex in the City. Like anytime I see Sex in the Title thing, I'm like, it's like it has to contend with that legacy. It's like, is it that type of show or is it something very different is basically the first step for me when I'm like doing a mental model of it. I mean, in some ways, I guess it is sort of similar to Sex in the City in that it's very frank about sex, but right. it's not about like, but it's much more sophisticated and interesting and layered and like i think anyways than the og even the good og sex in the city which has much more in common with our last selection emily in paris another show that has a lot of like sex as the focus but like very very different right like they do not sex is like oh you know what sex is and then let's like use that whereas here it's like no 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 let's explore it in from very different perspectives four at least four very very different perspectives did this feel to you guys like similar to your college experience no not at all no because oh really okay (laughs) i mean i think there's like wisps wisps that i could pull from right like i did play a college sport so i can kind of understand that bit um but no, not really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of any, if anything was even close. But I mean, I didn't. So I didn't go to sleep away school. What is that called? Dorms or whatever. Oh my god, <laughs> residential <laughs> colleges. <laughs> and uh, I think it's yeah, like a summer camp. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, basically like, like summer camp. But mine like was a like lot day camp. Drinking. That was my experience. It was essentially day camp, adult day camp. So it was very different, I think, from this. I think for me, what it really captured was just that feeling of, even though like they figure out kind of like how to be cool and go to parties and drink and all that stuff way sooner than I did. Um, maybe I never actually figured out how to be cool, but the other stuff at least. Um, but like that sense of just, oh, like for the first time I'm free and I'm also just figuring out what kind of person I want to be. And that just that sense of excitement and newness, I think it does a really good job of capturing, I think, Kimberly's storyline, I don't think you've gotten this far, Daryl, but there's, I think, probably one of the, the biggest things for me in college was just that in high school, I was somebody who was really smart and could get away with not having to work that hard. Right. And I had none of the structure or none. Of, and we talked about this a little bit in the botched episode review, but like, the I was episode. definitely the person who just could not, for a long, for the longest time, could not figure out how to do well in classes be, because it was just so, un- it was just kind of like, all right, it like, was weird to have to figure try. it out. I, I had that experience as well. And and I did, I mean, I, th- I got it far enough that she was like going into French and whatever and like not having a great time, right? Which I think is what you're referring to, which I don't think is a major right. spoiler either. But like, that's a really good bit too, right? It Where is. Like it is. everyone around her in French class is like this incredible accent speaking French. And she's and, like, 
parlez-vous français. <laughs> yeah, it's almost an really Emily in Paris joke, but like a much better. It, that was that's another good contrast because it's like this is actually good and funny, and the Emily Paris one is like broad and ridiculous, but yeah, great. It's like a whole structure system for the show, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, the, so the I think individual modems definitely I can relate to. But overall, it's a very it seems like a very distant experience to my own. And I mean, part of that is also that I'm a dude, and so that part was very different from a sex perspective. Also, like, listen, listen, podcast universe, this is the truth. I was a pretty late bloomer, so I didn't have much experience sex in early college so this is all kind of like they were doing what during when <laughs> some information okay <laughs> my brain is like where do we store that <laughs> it's i i made a very conscious decision that i think in some other reviews i've overshared a little so i was like i'm just not going to touch that part <laughs> but luckily Gerald's in. Yeah, luckily somebody delivered. It's because it's take two. Take one, yeah. loosen me up, and then take two. I was like, whatever, let's just anything two is sh- <laughs> shut me up. I'm just like I can't even bring myself to repeat myself. <laughs> I'm so frustrated All right. with you guys. Hey, another point though, I should I should I just have to mention before we go into spoilers, a very important point. Um, Chalamet's uh, paternal grandmother was Canadian. That's the end of that. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> That's the point I wanted to bring up. So. It's a great, great week to be bringing up the fact you're, that you're Canadian. <laughs> Did you have a favorite supporting character? Uh, well, yeah, my favorite supporting character is probably uh, Rob Hubel as Leighton's father. He was very good. Although I, then I realized, like, partway through, like, oh wait, he's also Henry's father, presumably. Although they don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be, but like. Maybe they, they are, interact yeah. later, but they have no interactions at the beginning, and that struck me as kind of odd about it. Um, yeah, right. I thought all the all the actors playing parents were great. They were and... great, and they had some great moments to shine too early on. Um, the Catullan editor, maybe or whatever, he was pretty good too. Being just so, like there's a... there's two Catullan editors. Um, oh right, I there's think... like the cool guy, blonde guy, and then the, right. More nerdy guy, right? Both of them, yeah. They have. Uh, they both get pretty, pretty developed storylines, and yes, I think they're both perfectly cast. But the one I really liked the gla- the one with glasses. I thought he was very good and um, did a good job of being like essentially a reprehensible human being. So yeah, and like he's actually the least reprehensible one. Huh. Sorry, spoiler, but Ooh, um, yeah, okay. Okay. he's also insufferable, and it's lovely. I, yeah, I think that he is probably my favorite of the supporting character. Not in the like that he's the best person; he's definitely not. But right. that he, uh, you get to see other sides of him, and um, I, I think this is sort of a little bit cheapened because I say this about everything because I cry at everything. But there is a speech that he gives. Uh, close to the end of the season that made me cry um but he yeah he's he's great um i also thought um the oh midori uh, francis was another highlight for me but although like i've only just been introduced to her character where i am in the season but like she's from dash and lily another netflix show um and 
Tara did say, like, she looks very familiar. Was she in this National Elite? I was like, no, that's a different person. And then I looked it up and they were the same person. But um, she seems like she's going to be good. I don't know if she is, is good through the season. But. She's great. So she plays Alicia, who runs the Women's Center, which is where uh, right. uh, Leighton is uh, sent. It has to do community service there. And um, I will say that that was one storyline where as soon as they started they started to have some chemistry together. I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much followed the exact arc that I was expecting, but it was handled so well that I really have no complaints about it. Okay. Should we move into spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Spoil it up. So if you have not watched the entire first season of the Sex Lives of College Girls, which we all recommend you do, you should stop listening now. Um, so Daryl, you're... I guess going to talk a little bit about the one thing that uh, you did no wait spoil I, on take two I have two things so first okay. of all I have the hand jobs of course they were great tell us uh, the best way to jobs. introduce it just <laughs> the hand what? jobs I, I don't mean in the show I'm just talking generally oh no, yeah I, I have the hand jobs uh, <laughs> no there's a terrific <laughs> scene where um Oh, goodness. What is her character's name? Uh, oh, Bella. Bella is trying to get onto the the comedy uh, magazine, the Catullan. And she basically, like, the the decision makers are there. And they're, she, like, goes and just gives them hand jobs. And they, they make it seem like that would be a ridiculous idea. But then they, like, just commit to it. And she just does it and gets onto the paper, too. It also, like, doesn't not work out in her favor, which I thought was, like, a great... Because uh, like the the predictable path would be like, oh, it didn't even matter that she did that. Like she's not in, but she does get selected. So I thought that really added to it. It made it extra good. Um, and the that was really the part where I kind of like realized like I was already really enjoying this, but I think that's the part where I realized it's a level above even what I was was expecting out of this show. Right? And was I so you really start making of, hand job jokes like he's in. He's ready. I mean, I mean, once you got the HJs going, oh if you boy. commit to the hand job, he commits to the show. <laughs> That's right, exactly. But the other part that I thought was great was similarly. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. I don't think it's weird that these are both sex moments because that's the whole show. But like the other part when was when um, uh, Kimberly, her boyfriend, who sucks so hard immediately, <laughs> and you're like, wow, this guy sucks, and then like. He comes, he's her high school boyfriend, and he comes and visits her at college. And then on their first night, they have sex in like the common room in the shared dorm or whatever. And then he breaks up with her immediately after that. And, and but does it in like the worst had... possible way, like the way that where he's like demonstrating his feminism essentially or whatever, like totally absurd, but wonderful. Yeah, what does he say? Like, we, we're not breaking up. I'm letting you be more free or something or or like I'm trying to have a constructive conversation about (laughs) our freedom as individuals or something as opposed she's like what the hell and he was the one who was holding out on sex not her yeah 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 Yeah. he's unbearable and I love I think it's Leighton who comes out and is like wait did you just break up with her we had (laughs) to suffer through your noob grunts all night (laughs) Uh, that is another yeah, thing that so they good. really do a good job of capturing of that feeling of living in a dorm and so you're just so up in everyone's business and people like 
try to give each other, pretend to give each other privacy, but you actually like you can hear everything that's happening. Oh my god! All See, the look, time. I should have gone to sleepaway school. Fuck! <laughs> sleep you missed out. School. You did miss <laughs> miss out on being in everyone's business and having everyone in your business because that is a thing. <laughs> like the dorm gossip was a clear memory for me in college. Huh. Yeah, not, none of it. I was just like protected, sheltered my whole life. I've yeah. never had to live with humans. Actually, thus the late blooming. Hey, come on now. <laughs> you said it. Now it's we're, out there. We're I told you, my brain doesn't know use. what to do with it. So it's going to spit it out at weird times. If this shows up as the headline clip for promoting the episode, I'm going to be real, <laughs> real upset about it. Yeah, really pleased. <laughs> it's, that's the realest part of this uh, podcast so far. So mm, we're just having a constructive conversation about vulnerability. That's how we get our I Heart Radio podcast award. It's going to be from stuff. <laughs> We don't like want to that. go exclusive with Spotify. Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ooh, I hear they give good so deals. Many layers. They're yeah, really <laughs> now. Yeah, they need us. We're too progressive on certain. I counts, don't know. I, I feel like with the hand job jokes, we got we're in the running now. <laughs> we are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um. Anyways, that like both of those though were to me illustrative of like it is this show can be very very funny with things that are like that like if you took them on. If you just took them and wrote them down dispassionately, like this is the sequence of events that happens, it's actually like quite disturbing and like hurtful and difficult and like whatever, right? Like you could you could write both of those in a way that it's like, well, that's a scar that from which someone never heals, right? But the way they treat them is, I feel like, much more true to like real lived experience and also just very very funny, like very funny. And it like also like particularly the not to like keep circling around the hand jobs, but like you can tell to an extent, like, you know, how there's the, the conversation that's always happening about like the office couldn't happen now. Right. Yeah. Like the mini Kaling was one of the top producing writers for that show. Right? right. Like, so she's willing and able to go there in a very funny way. And a lot of these things that would feel like not progressive or whatever not politically correct whatever like fall prey to cancel whatever we want to call that right mm -hmm. off limits and i it, it like that feels very like what if a writer of the office was writing in 2021 like it you have that moment where you're like oh you can go there but just with some thought and with mm -hmm. some correct positioning and it's actually much more realistic to go there because we these things aren't off limits in yeah. reality right yeah. like yeah. it's interesting no it's it's it is interesting because then on the other side you can imagine it being in like like we were joking about gross out humor or whatever and like american pie but like you can imagine that being the opposite end of the spectrum right where you're like oh you just fucked a pile <laughs> and just taking anything like meaningful or substantial or realistic out of it and they don't do that either right so I think that I think that it's amazing the balance it strikes where it's like, yeah, you're right up against the edge of something perhaps dangerous, but you're like, you're keeping everybody in on the joke, and you're also not dismissing it or treating it as something that's like cartoonish, right? Well, and to be fair, yeah. I think like The Office has a lot of redemptive qualities as well, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. there's a lot of learning that is happening in The Office throughout, and not that like Sex Lives of College Girls needs redemption necessarily, but like. It's just a further proof point that those things are we're able to talk about those things and even laugh about those things if if done the right way. Yeah. 
I mean, I think one of the ways they handle it, and um, did all partly as punishment for not recording yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spoil some things now. Um, but I do think that a lot of times when things come out, is is that usually the way people react is is in the way that you should. It's it's in the correct way, which I you know I think probably. I mean, some people like takes them a while to get there, but like. For example, uh, one of the characters, Whitney, she has an affair with the assistant coach. Right. And um, eventually the assistant coach and the coach are fired. And I think there's definitely one person on the team who she's confided in at this point. But then like everyone else on the team, I think they're sort of a vibe. Like we, they kind of know. Um, and she comes and comes out and like apologizes to the team. She's like, I'm so sorry. I fucked this up. And everyone on the team says like, no, no, no. You don't have anything to apologize for. You're the victim right. here. It's the creep. Yeah, like he's a fucking guy. creeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's he probably is like too. I hate that guy. Oh, what a cringy relationship. It's like happening on screen. And it's like because it's told from her point of view, it feels less terrible than your mind and brain know it is. So mm-hmm. like every time it happens, you're like, uh you know, like it Yeah. It is it is good that it's done from her perspective because you do kind of like like even though you logically know that uh, what is ends up being explicit in the show is like this is wrong, it's bad. Like you're like you can see why it you would like seem sink into exciting it and bit. fun and whatever to the person in the situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, wait. I should leave though. I gotta leave before. Okay. I get yeah. any All right. Get out of here. Or we're just gonna keep going. No but oh, I'll, I'll leave you with. We need to schedule a naked party. Just uh, you know, we'll have. Yeah. You, apparently, Anthony, was that a real thing, thing in college? Yeah. There was there was a party at, at Stanford called the Exotic Erotic Party, and uh, you were supposed to be. You're definitely. I mean, I don't think it was naked, but you were supposed to be very scantily clad. So that well, it's I've actually heard a of lingerie parties. It was but like the a naked combination party. of two different things. One, there's like an exotic erotic party where people like are supposed to be like just wearing underwear or whatever. And then there were at the hippie co-ops where I spent more time, there were parties where people would show up naked, but it was not supposed to be. It was about the whole idea of like, our, this is our natural state. Don't stare at me. I'm just going to be naked. Which is kind of what this the parties in this show are about. Because they were like, right. why are you looking? Like, you're not supposed to Well, look. there's two versions. There's the actual naked party where they're like, don't look. And this isn't about sex. This is about like being comfortable in your own skin. And then there's yeah. like the anything but clothes party that happens later which is held by a frat right which is not the same thing it is that like one i've heard of i've heard of yeah. right uh okay well we'll, we'll we'll figure out our right balance for which which one we we plan for that we figure and... out to record the first time going forward then yeah. i'm good yeah, but we're gonna issue tickets so original content listeners you can join us at our semi-nude party or whatever we end up happening that's not, not gonna actually that. happen although the website did you guys notice that the original content website says friends and lovers yeah i don't know who would have done about that. us by now did you do that <laughs> harold did that he set up everything on the website he i love everything. everything i, I, I right. visited it like ever and i giggled anyway bye daryl yeah get out of here we got stuff to talk about <laughs> okay, so all right so we can't go over each individual character storyline right. anymore i know so let's jump well, to the shockers I would say, I mean, Bella was definitely the big one for me. Um, and, and that was the storyline where she was um, sexually assaulted by one of the editors of the Catalan um, and uh, finds out from one of the other writers uh, or freshman who then is also admitted as a writer that, that he did the same thing to her. And, also, and uh, like she, I think this is part of what made it like, believable was at first she doesn't want to say anything even to the 
other freshmen, but ultimately decides that she has to speak up and tells uh, the, the editors of the Catal, the other editor, and the, I think some of the other senior people there, what happened. And um, ultimately- Actually a they, really they, good scene. Like, yeah. because the female senior person in the room is like, I'm glad you brought this to us. Keep talking. We're listening. Like, and the co-editor who is best friends with the assault person with the bad guy right. uh, is like, this is stupid. And like, he would never do that. And like, no wrong. Like, and you're a liar and kind of like a, unfortunately and sadly, like an archetypal response from like a friend of a dude who's a creep. Like that's right. no offense to men, but guys take a minute. Yeah. And then, uh, so the part that I did get emotional during was like, and I mean, I realized this is a whole, like probably cutting men slack that they don't deserve when Eric shows up later and apologizes and he's like written it down. And he just is like, I wrote this down because I wanted to get this right. And he's still like a jerky asshole, but he says the right things and he says, I believe you. And like, that is really, really moving. And in fact, mm -hmm. even though then like the, the Catalan kind of falls apart because um, other guys at the, um, at the Catalan like are also assholes. <laughs> um, and so all the women quit and another starting their own magazine, but like there's kind of the beginning of potentially a relationship between Eric and Bella at the end, which I was like, all right, I'm on board for this, which I would not have expected at the beginning. Yeah. And I like that. Again, I think it's like a pretty tidy bow that he was able to 180 in that period of time. But also I do think that the more we're talking about issues like this, like out loud, the more learning experiences there are for people who are not bad guys, but haven't thought about it before. And now that they get to think about it, they're, the curve is getting quicker. Right. And right. so there's something also realistic about it as well. Um, which ties into just to like quickly recount ties into right. Leighton's story, which is she gets in trouble for vandalizing something when she's drunk one night and has to work at the women's center. She's been hiding her sexuality. She's gay the whole time. She doesn't want anyone to know because she thinks it'll define her um, and ends up dating the one, the woman who runs the women's center right, who Alicia. ultimately is there when Bella comes forward as well and helps out. Um, and that's a whole thing because the girl doesn't want to date her because she's not out all the way and she has to kind of make this choice. And I thought another really powerful scene was when Leighton comes out to Kimberly of all people. She's probably least close to Kimberly, but it just kind of happens. And it was a pretty emotional scene, I thought, and pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I cried during that scene too. And like, because like Kimberly is this kind of person who's pretty capable of handling a lot of things, but also you can tell she's not like, it's not the same as Bella coming, uh, telling her story to someone at the women's center who is like very well-versed and dealing with this mm -hmm. kind of scenario, but she like does her best and it's more than good enough. And the, both actors played it really well. I think that like, neither of us are really on super sure footing, but we're sure enough that we're talking about the right stuff right now. Yeah. And I think that that feels like realistic in the sense that I think sometimes like when people try to like make cartoonish versions of these conversations, like that, like a conservative person's like, oh my God, like I can't say anything because I'll just immediately be canceled. And I, you know, obviously can't speak to every single conversation with every person, but I think in general, like when it feels like two people are having a good faith conversation about it. And like, even if you fuck something up, 
Like if you're trying to be there for the person and you're listening, like, then that's kind of what came across. I mean, I do think, still think ultimately it felt like, um, you know, again, like everything towards the end, kind of a little bit tidy and nice and everyone saying exactly the right thing. But um, also like the, the latent storyline is interesting because it's about the idea that in general, we accept people coming out and we embrace them for it. But what are the reasons now that somebody still would feel like they have to stay in the closet? And um, I guess I do believe that Kimberly would totally be like supportive and like there'd be no hesitation about that. Yeah, 100%. Well, we've gone through a couple of the storylines. Probably don't have time to do any of the others in detail. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we go? Well, I do want to mention that I tweeted about this because the first season ends at midterms of their first semester, which would allow for 15 more seasons of this if they're still in college. And Mindy Kaling liked my tweet. And so I hope if you're listening, Mindy, to this podcast, which I doubt you are, especially not all the way to the end, especially now that we've admitted that we couldn't get it right the first time. But if you are, really good work. I really, really like the show. And I can't wait for the next season. And anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it yet should watch it. It's really like, I think it's, I'm willing to use the word masterpiece on this show because I I really do think it is. I agree with all of that, except maybe for the word masterpiece, but maybe I just need a little more time. It's very good. Highly recommend it. Let us know what you think by shooting us an email, info at originalcontentpodcast.com. That's info at originalcontentpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Original Content, and we always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts. Oh, and also subscribe. Jordan, thanks for doing this twice. Yeah, no, thanks for making it.